Yeah, so today we have another um, standalone message. Um, we'll be coming out of Psalm 23 in a moment. I want to encourage you, um, after our worship experience, um, we're having light group sign-ups today. Our groups meet uh, throughout the week. Um, I believe that Sundays are important, but uh, groups are vital. It's really where life change happens. It's where you dive in deeper to God's word, and most importantly, community is built. And so um, I'm praying that you would find the right group um, this Sunday. Uh, our leaders are waiting to connect with you, and uh, it's going to be a good old time. Go ahead and find a group. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into Psalm. Before we do, pray with me uh, as we get ready to share this word. Father, I thank you so much for uh, what it is you're doing here today. And uh, God, we just ask that you would open our hearts, allow our hearts to be fertile, uh, for the word that you're about to plant, may it bear fruit in due season. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to read Psalm 23, uh, one of the more famous, more popular scriptures in all of the Bible. But we're going to zone in on two verses. So I want to read the entire psalm, but we're going to zone in on the first two verses. And um, here it is, Psalm 23, verse 1, and it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He gives me, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's celebrate the reading of scripture. Come on, let's put our hands together. For God's word, promise upon promise upon promise. Um, if I'm not wise, I, I would not, if I wasn't wise, I wouldn't give you context, but I like to think myself wise, so I want to give you some context um, as to what we just read here, and if you're taking notes, I think this is going to add value to your faith and to your life. I believe that throughout the week, you should go back to your notes and read them. Uh, you never know what God could speak into your heart on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, Tuesday, but go ahead and jot this down. This psalm was written by King David. Um, king David was the second king of Israel. Many would say he was the greatest king Israel ever had. I'd surely agree to that. Um, but before he became king, um, many of us would know he had an encounter with a guy named Goliath. Goliath, David and Goliath. And so he was a shepherd boy when he had that encounter. We're actually, man, this is exciting. Um, I think, I think, uh, don't fully hold me to it because things change, but if you're here next summer, we're going to do a series on the life of David called Lionheart. Lionheart. Oof. I want to preach it now. Lionheart. And uh, it's going to be good, man. It's going to be so good. And we'll talk about Goliath and all that good stuff. But um, so, so God took him from being a shepherd boy 
to the king of Israel. A lot, a lot of historians believe that when God called David, when he anointed him, set him aside, that David may have been anywhere between 10 and 15 years old. And so um, even at his anointing ceremony to be king, um, his dad called his oldest seven brothers up first. And Samuel was like, oh, he looks good, he's tall, he has great hair, he's handsome, but it's none of these. Um, do you have any more children? And uh, Jesse said, you know, we have the youngest one, but he's out in the field working. He's, he doesn't want the promotion, but he's just excellent where he is. And so Samuel said, that's the one. We're not going to sit down until he comes. And so David steps in, and the Bible says he's handsome and, and all that good stuff, man. Uh, he says here in this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. That means that we are sheep. Um, that means that we are sheep. We are objects of property. Uh, we belong to God. I think beyond understanding that we belong to God, I think what's important to note is that God has our best interest at hand. God has our best interest at hand. And David, when he was writing this particular psalm, he made it very personal, very personal. Why is that? It's because David is in his 60s, and David is going to pass away soon. So David is actually writing, um, looking back. He's looking in his rearview mirror, um, hindsight's 20-20. He's looking back, and he's seeing everywhere where he struggled, God was faithful. Everywhere that he lacked, God came through. Every time that he needed deliverance, God delivered him. Every time he needed provision, God provided. And so he's looking back on his life. This is not a young David. This is an old David. And he's saying, man, God truly was protecting me. He was guiding me. He was leading me. My, hand, my, my, my life was in the palm of his hands. And so we're, we're looking at a king's reflections, really. The way I see it is, is that David was at his desk. And he was at his desk one night, had some harps and lyres playing on the side. And cut on his little, they didn't have lamps, but probably lit a can, whatever he did, and just, the Lord is my shepherd. Why do they always got to have that accent? They're Jewish. What, what am I saying? Anyway, it's, it's always a medieval accent. The Lord is my shepherd. I said, no, no, it's not, it's not, anyway. David understood his need for God, and that in and that in God, David had all that he needed. He came to understand that. Let's do a um, favorite scripture survey. Y'all ready? This is a show of hands. Show of hands, show of hands. Show of hands, your top three scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. Show of hands. You know the scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I'm, dang it, I'm struggling on this one. John 3.16, show of hands. That should be everyone's favorite scripture. Going to heaven on that one. John 3.16, favorite scripture. Ooh, ooh, tough, tough crowd. Um, Valentine's Day. Uh, totally out of context, mind you. But we always, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love. Show of hands. Valentine's Day, chapter of love. But Psalm 23 is notable amongst them. Uh, Psalm 23 has been read by prisoners, uh, presidents, the poor, the prosperous, the dying, 
many people upon their deathbeds will request that Psalm 23 is read to them before taking their last breath. It's the go-to for comfort, peace, and an assurance that God is always leading us toward his best plans for our lives. So today I, I wanted to share a light message with us. This is our last Sunday at Redland. Uh, next Sunday we have a new series called Your Jesus. It's going to be powerful. But I wanted to kind of, I wanted to make this one an easy listen. Um, and so yeah, I want to bring a message to you entitled God's Heart for You. God's Heart for You. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick it back up here. Um, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Here it is. He lets me rest in green meadows. First point today is, is that God wants you to find rest. God wants you to find rest. Uh, I would say over a year ago or so, we, my wife and I, we... Um, we took a journey to, to, to Florida because my dad was very, very sick. I mean, he was, the clock was ticking. He was passing. He was very sick. And so when we got down there, it was very annoying because none of his doctors could agree on anything. You know, this doctor was saying it's his kidneys. This doctor was saying it's his heart. Uh, this doctor was saying he needs heart surgery. This one was saying he doesn't. And it's like, can we figure out what's going on? You guys have went to school for this. You're being paid the bit bucks for this. Like, what's going on with dad? And so um, on this side, dad is fading. On this side, our kids are growing up, and they're active, and they're becoming themselves. On, on this, you know, you have a church, a growing church. You have some, it, some things you've got to minister to. It's ministry, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. This, this is a tough thing, but... You know, so we have momentum going here in this season. Kids are doing okay. Kids are healthy. Church is healthy. It's growing. But this is fading away. And then we, you know, we, we're here to spruce this up. And inevitably, as you would know, if you, if you build this up, get this strong, the momentum starts to die out here. And so now you got to, and it's really not as much the movement. You know, it's really not the work, it's really not family, it's really not your studies, it's really, it's really your mind is in multiple places all at the same time. And um, the word there is distraction. Like, you, 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 your, your, your attention is here, your attention is here, your attention is here, and when you're distracted, the word distraction literally means to be pulled apart. Like, you're, you're torn in different areas. And when you're distracted, you become discouraged. When you become discouraged, you lack peace you're not you're restless in your soul and so if we take an inventory of David's life we see where uh, God anointed him to become king but as soon as he received that anointing that call as soon as he believed in that thing that God had called him to all hell broke loose in his life all hell broke loose yeah woo! I've come to Jesus amazing but soon thereafter here comes the enemy Soon thereafter, here comes a trial. Here comes a tough time. And, and not just one, but two, three, four, and five. And so now you're over here, you're trying to fix this. David was trying to fix Saul. David was trying to fix his family. David was in a season where he had to fight Goliath. David was in a season where he was ministering to his dad. He was ministering here. And he just came to realize as an old man, like, God truly 
was leading me in those seasons to find pockets of rest. And so one of the things that we did while we were down there for those 48 or 72 hours, because it was very tedious, was that, you know, we were staying with my mother-in-law, we stayed with my mom, and I just finally said, babe, we need to go to a hotel and just rest. So we checked in, and uh, that morning we woke up. We didn't call dad. We didn't check on him. We said, Lord, he's in your hands. We just simply ordered some breakfast and laid in bed. We prayed and we read the scripture. And we, we allowed God to, to, to lead us to find rest. And I was asking God, like, what do you want to say today? We're starting a new series next Sunday. I'm ready for that. I'm studied up for that. My first message for next Sunday is already done. But what do you want to say today? This is a standalone message. And he says, I want you to speak in terms of seasons because we're about to cross over from summer to fall. And as all of us know, school's about to ramp up. Work is about to ramp up. This and this and this is about to turn up. And I believe that the heart of God is for you to discern the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit during this fall. Because the temptation is to become busy. The temptation is to become more successful. We got to get more money. We got to become more popular. We got to get more work done. We got to be more excellent. And all that's good. It's not evil within itself. But when it's costing you your soul, when it's costing you your mind, when it's costing you your peace, you need a way to draw back and to simply find some rest. I love what Jesus says here in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? The word religion just simply means routine. There's nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church. It means routine. Are you burnt out on religion? Jesus says this, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Live with me. Trust in me. Work with me. I love this. <laughs> Jesus is G, man. He says, he says, watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Give me your life. Give me your heart. The thing about ancient Israel and even today, a lot of Israel's soil and ground is rocky. It's barren. It's dry. It's sun-scorched. So back in David's time, when you had flock of sheep following you and you were protecting them and guiding them and leading them, um, if you wanted to lead them to green meadows and there were no green meadows, there would be a season as a shepherd where you had to go and take up the rocks. You had to till the soil and you had to irrigate the land so that in the proper season, the grass would have grown and you could lead your sheep to a place where they could just rest and munch on the goodness of what you've prepared for them. And this is what I believe for you in the fall. Because like I said, the temptation is to ramp it up. We got to ramp it up. We got to ramp it up. This is what I believe for you in the fall. I believe that God is preparing pockets of rest for your soul. Pockets of rest. I believe that when you're walking with Jesus, even while you're at work, you can rest. 
Even while you're going through a tumultuous situation, you can rest. Even when the bank account doesn't look good, you can rest. Because he's preparing your provision. Even when your relationships are all out of whack, you can find peace and trusting him and walking with him. Um, one of the things that God, that we did that particular morning with, with the stress of, of, of helping my dad out and trying to figure out what was wrong with him, we didn't just eat breakfast, but we ate food for our souls. We got up that morning and, and we read through Psalms. And we said, Lord, feed us. Because we don't have the answer. We don't know if he's going to live or die. We don't know how this thing is going to turn out. But right now we need some peace. And God wants you to, to find rest in this fall. Go ahead and write this down. It's the shepherd's heart for the sheep to lie in the meadow and munch on the grass. It is God's heart for you to not be overcome with busyness. With busyness. But to find pockets of rest. So much so to the point <laughs> where, um, hey, uh, Chris, give me that chair, please, right there. Watch. Yes, yes. Thank you, sir. Give it up for Chris, y'all. He's the man. Ow! I love that owl. So much so to the point where, um, you know, so J Judah is four, Jay is 10. They're about to be uh, five and 11. As a, as a young dad, a young lad, <laughs> I would um, get very annoyed by how active they were. So it's like, Judah, stop. Jay, stop. You stop. You got five seconds. Get my spatula. Get my belt. You stop. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Stop. Stop. You. Yep. Right? Yep. I hear mom out there somewhere. Yep. And maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it's other things. But stop. No more work. Stop. Recently, I would say over the past month or so, that's not been my posture. Chair, my name's Josh. This has been my posture. Ah, just, all right, they're going to run around, they're going to mess up the house, we're going to clean up when they're done. Because on one end, I just got this text message, another end, I just got this opportunity, got another text message. <laughs> This did this, this person said, and you just, and before you know it, if you're not careful, man, you can just want to give it all up. Yeah. And that's not God's heart for you. No. His heart is for you to, to rest and, and sometimes to just let it be what it's going to be <laughs> and just munch. The issue is, is that we want to be in control of everything. And the truth is that we are in control of nothing. 
And it's when we bypass the, the threshold of our control, that's where restlessness begins to set in. And, and you could, you should, you should, you could, and you should, you should read from 1 Samuel 14 all the way to the end of David's life. This was an, another revelation that just hit me. This is good because none of this is in my notes. We're, we're just talking. Um, that when you read David's life, <laughs> you just see like, all right, he's anointed king. He's a child of God. But you see issue after issue after issue after issue after issue after issue just continue to invite themselves into his life. Many of which he's not in control of. But there is one primary theme of the life of David. David rarely faced any issue without stopping to rest and pray. You will see it often throughout his life. He goes to God and he asks God, should I go in this direction? Should I not fight? Should I worry about this? He goes to God and he worships. When no one else is around. A lot of us, we're carrying stuff. We're worrying when we should be worshiping. We're tense when we should be lifting our hands. We're cussing up a storm. We're complaining. We're arguing. We're moaning. We're groaning when we should be lifting up praises to God. So that in those moments, your soul can find the rest it needs. It's God's heart for you to rest. We're all for being excellent. We're all for working hard. But guess what? We have no power to change anyone or anything. So when you're done trying to control things, when I'm done trying to control things, I think this is the spiritual posture that God is going to call you to this fall. Just rest. Just rest. Well, my dad is not in my life, and I wish he was. Just rest. Well, my kids, they're going crazy. You know, they're teenagers now, you know. Just rest. Oh, the business is low. Money is low. Just rest. Find rest for your soul. You know, Jesus said, what good does it do to gain the world but lose your soul? Because typically what we do is is this thing is happening, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. And idolatry is nothing but putting something before God in your heart. And so when we're worried about this thing and we're trying to fix it, we're worried about this thing and we're trying to fix it. It's all in a good spirit. It's all in good motive. We're worried about this thing. What we're doing is we're idolizing our issues. As opposed to saying, God, come in and fix it for us. And while you fix it, while you grow the, while you do that, I'm going to wait on you and I'm just going to rest. I'm going to do what I can, but I'm going to allow you to do what I can. I'm not going to idolize this. I'm not going to worship this thing. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm not going to be upset about it. God, I'm just going to rest.
in your, in your presence. I, I really, I really want to set you free today. Because a lot of us are trying to make the connection between church and an assumed miracle. Like, God, I've been going to church, I'm following Jesus, but where's the miracle? Like, God, I've been, I've been given, I've been changing my attitude, Lord, I've been reading my Bible, but where's the breakthrough? And I really want to encourage you with this. You need to write this down. Most miracles are not instant. Most miracles are incremental. So it's not a matter of a, a one-step solution. God, I've been going to church for six months. Where's the miracle? It, it's celebrating the fact that you've been consistent. And it's resting in the fact that God is working while you're being consistent and you're going in the right direction. And so now I really look at it, man. Like, yeah, I mean, we're all going to pass away one day. That is a pure fact. 100% human mankind, we all pass away. But I look at it today. My dad was sick and swollen and just, you talk to him 10 seconds, he's knocked out because his heart is, he can't handle it. And so, but today you go back home. This joker has his, his old man weight. He's eating steak, ribs, pork chop. He's going to the beach. He's going to the movies. He's climbing stairs. He's living his life. What in the world were we worried for when we went on down there? We should have just. We got to learn to rest. God wants you to find rest. And, and this is where I see it personally, just going back to my dad. Had he passed away, he would have went on to a better place. Or God would have healed him, in which he did. <laughs> Either way, we win. You need to write that down. Either way, we win. As long as we're walking with the Lord, we win. We win. Let's go back to verse 2. God's heart for you. Verse 2, Psalm 23. It says this here. He lets me rest in green meadow, meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. It's God's heart for you to live at ease. Find rest and then when you are living, live at ease. There's a scientific fact that Sheep don't know how to swim. And so they fear aggressive streams. They fear aggressive streams. For me, the greatest fear in that season last year was losing my father and coming face to face with that reality. There were streams of fear and confusion. And I believe that for many of us right now, it's, it's just crazy because God is a God of seasons. And when you read Genesis, he creates spring, summer, winter, and fall. It's just my belief that some of you are, are a little bit afraid of this fall season or, or of a new year because you just simply don't know what it's going to look like. So what, what you're looking at right now is a stream of fear. Or for some of us, it can be a stream of inadequacy. I don't feel as though I'm enough or a stream of lack. Like, I don't know if we're going to have enough or if God's going to come through or, or a stream of, of potentially losing out on something, but a stream of 
fear. Anyone looking at a stream of, of something right now in their lives as they head into the fall, it's okay to admit it. We're in church. You can take off your church face. We're all real about it. We're, we're looking at some streams right now that we're kind of fearing and we're looking at. We don't know how it's all going to turn out, but it's a stream of, of, of fear. One thing about shepherds in ancient Israel is that when they were leading their, their sheep, their flocks, and this is God shepherding us, they would see an aggressive stream and they would say, well, the, the flocks are afraid. And so what a shepherd would do, as anyone with common sense, is that they would just simply redirect. And they would go around or they, they would try to find another way or they'll go a further way, but they would simply redirect. And this, this is the thing here. You, we learned about your most important relationship two weeks ago. If you would allow and if you would discern the Holy Spirit in your life, he could and he would and he wants to redirect you from the streams of fear that you're currently facing. Because he just simply wants you to live at ease. And you, you're, you're looking at that thing. And you're saying, if something doesn't change in August, my September is going to be terrible. If something doesn't change by September, my October is going to be bad. If something doesn't change by October, November, and December, the new year is going to be terrible. And you're looking at a stream of fear, and God is just back there saying, hey. something I want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to redirect you. There have been many a seasons, man, where it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Just open this thing and Wow, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. That's what he wants to do. He wants to redirect you. Write, write this question down. Can God redirect my focus in this season? Can God redirect my focus and take my mind off the things I'm worried about. You ought to put a star next to it. You ought to highlight that question. Take that question home and ask, can God redirect my focus? And I remember, I remember succinctly, we were, we were, it was post-surgery. So he had the surgery, he was coming out and he had this tube in his throat and the doctor said he may never be able to breathe again, my father. And I just felt like a failure because, Dad, you're going to be okay. It's going to be good. Can't wait to see you when you come out. But not even you, being a nurse, you didn't even expect that. And we just broke down and it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? The Holy Spirit, y'all, God spoke in my heart. He said, I need you to leave the room and I need you to go into the break room. Because as long as you're in this frame of mind, I can't speak to you. So I need you to disconnect from your environment, disconnect from the fear, disconnect from the people, disconnect from the worry. I want to go and speak to you in the other room. I went into the break room. I sat down. I said, God, I'm here. He said, I want you to go to Psalm 23. 
And I sat down and I opened that psalm and I read. And, and the streams of fear became streams of faith and peace and hope and joy. And I was going to be able to go back into that room and be at ease with whatever was going to happen to my dad. But until you let God redirect you, you will not have peace in your life. Peace hit immediately. A peace, the Bible says, that surpasses all understanding. When you're trying to think how and why and when and why doesn't two plus two equal four? Why does it equal five? This doesn't make sense. When you're trying to, you got to allow that peace that surpasses all understanding. Paul talks about that in Philippians 4 to fill your mind. Philippians 4, it says this here, the message, uh, verse 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. I tell you, I'm, I'm terrible at that. I just, I just, for me personally, I like to bask in my worry. Because when I stop and pray, what happens is when I stop worrying and I start praying, I'm relinquishing control. As if my worry can change anything. But I'm so bad because I still want control. And he says, instead of worrying, pray, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good. A sense of God's wholeness. Nothing, here it is, watch this. Nothing about the circumstances changed. Not yet. But God needs you to have a sense of wholeness, watch this, so you can have the faith. The Bible says that without faith, it it is impossible to please God. And those who seek God, he will reward diligently with faith. The reason you need the wholeness is so that you can have the faith. When you start having the faith, God actually starts to move. And that's when the circumstance begins to change in your life. I'm preaching and y'all just listen. You better clap that up because it's all about the faith. The faith. The faith, because if you're worried, you don't have the faith for God to move. There's a couple distinctions with Christ in the New Testament. Um, His hometown, Nazareth, the Bible says that um, faith was little in his hometown. And so while he was there, he could do few miracles because the level of faith was low. So the devil wants you to be distracted. He wants you to worry because there's no faith. And we talked about this weeks ago about how it's just a recurring cycle, right? Right. That's why Satan wants you to worry. He goes to Capernaum, another city, that if you go to Israel now, it says Capernaum, the hometown of Jesus. Nazareth is his hometown. (laughs) But when he was coming, they welcomed him with open arms. And it says that he healed everyone in Capernaum because of their faith. It says that their faith left Jesus in awe. That means that their faith dropped the mouth of God like. So the reason you have to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to redirect you is because he wants to sever worry so that he can impart faith. And that very gift of faith is the gift that he's going to use to change the outward circumstance and therein is your miracle. That's your miracle comes with faith and he says this here before you know it 
<laughs> I love that because it's like suddenly, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful. Someone say wonderful. wonderful. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces our worry, displaces worry at the center of your life. Because a spirit of worry wants to drive this generation. You don't have enough. You're not enough. You're not working hard. You'll never have. It wants to drive us. But God says, let me, let me help you live at ease. Let me help you live at ease in this season. God wants you to live at ease. Mercy, come on and close me out. I didn't want to. That's all I got. That's all I got. Let's clap it up for God. That's all I got. Um, I don't know. I just felt like I was on a short assignment this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a God who, who lifts our burdens. And God, I pray that we would continue to find the strength to allow you to redirect us. As the fall season ramps up, God, Give us the wisdom and the discernment to find pockets of rest, worship. Allow us to fight for time blocks where we can get into your word and hear your voice. God, my prayer is that your children would be whole mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Lord, we know that you're faithful. God, I pray that you would touch every individual in this room and meet them where they are. With every head bowed, maybe you'll say, I need Christ in my heart today. And this is the gospel. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Prince of Peace. He lived a sinless life. He was put on a cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Put in the grave and on the third day he rose. So that you and I don't have to be separated from the Father. God loves you. And if you're coming to Christ today, I just want you to pray this prayer with us. Or maybe you know God, but you haven't been walking with him. And today you're saying, God, I need your peace. I want your plan for my life and I'm coming back to you. So church, we're gonna pray this together in honor of those who are praying it for the first time or who are coming back to the Lord. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sin. I turn from my sin. Fill my heart with your spirit set me free i am yours give me true life in jesus christ 
Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys, and we'll see you at Shady Grove Middle School next Sunday. Take care, y'all.